Recently, the federal government released guidelines for a summer jobs program, and it's thrown abortion back into the national conversation. We're here to talk about it and also to see what you think. My name is David Birnbaum, and welcome to The Safe Space. With me today are Alexandra Meisinger, Nathan Hallwell, and Parthana Chandran. Um, and I guess the best way to start is just an open question. Uh, who here is pro-life? Oh, and who's here pro-choice? Okay, that's fair. So that's a good starting point, at least. Um, and so what makes you pro-choice? Is it fundamentally like a woman should have the right to choose and control her own body? I mean, yeah, a lot of it comes down to that. Um, a lot of it comes down to bodily autonomy and being able to have um, a choice in how you want to live your life and a choice in how um, your future will and what your future will look like. Okay, and then you know, what, would, what makes you uh, pro-life? I would have to say it's because of my moral values and the fact that it goes back to me being a Christian and my like values on abortion directly stems from my Christian beliefs. That's fair. I think uh, for me, like I am somewhere in the between. I think um, obviously I think a woman should have control of what she wants to do with her body. But for me, how do we know whether that's a life in there or not, right? Like that's really where the ambiguity comes in is how do you determine life? That's the fundamental premise and problem with, with this debate. And, um, and I, I'm not religious in any, like in any sense really, but for me to say that like in Canada, there's no abortion laws, right? It is technically legal in Canada to have an abortion through to nine months of pregnancy. That to me doesn't really make sense because if a baby is born at nine months or at eight months, you know, that is a legal entity, but if it exists in a woman's body, it's not, um, and you can abort it. And fundamentally, I guess it's, is abortion killing a baby? That's really still what it comes down to, and some people think it is, and some people think it isn't. Yeah, and I think when you talk to, like, most people who are pro-choice, um, like, me as someone who's pro-choice, like, I think when we're starting to talk about, like, that nine-month, like, baby about to be born scenario, that's an area where... I like I personally like don't always know what to think about that mm -hmm. even as someone who identifies strongly as pro-choice which I do so that's fair and the the hardest thing for me is then the same debate that's been going on is how do you define life at what so to me it it seems pretty arbitrary if there's let's say someone's eight months pregnant seven months pregnant and they're on the way to an abortion clinic that's perfectly legal if they happen to go into early labor and that child is born on the way there, that child is now protected by every other law. Um, and so like, it seems pretty arbitrary to me that an eight-month-old, while in utero, has no rights, and as soon as it's born, has all of these rights all of a sudden. That seems like a fairly arbitrary determination of what is life, um, is location, right? Hang on, um, but like, okay, wait, can I just say something? Yeah. Um, like before we like go deep into it, can mm. we just like talk a bit more about the context in which we're talking about abortion? Sure. Um, so is it just from like a legal perspective that we're talking like what laws should be formed um, about abortion or is it also from like uh, where are these girls and mothers like um, emotionally, mentally, no, things I like think that, that's so self-help. So like, I think that's just... absolutely an important piece as well. Okay. And we, we can talk about all of that. So yeah, what? Okay. 
only because I feel like there's so many different channels and like aspects to this problem. We can't just like generalize it and say, okay, pro-choice, um, pro-life. But yeah. I think we should like talk about specific segments yeah. and then like expose views. Because if we come down to specific scenarios, like you might be pro-choice in one situation, but pro-life in another. Yeah, I think that's a really important point is that there seems to have been no, like all nuance seems to have been lost in this conversation. And it's even more than just it's even worse than it used to be pro-life versus pro-choice. Now they've conflated pro-choice with pro-women. And they, there seems to be this mentality that if you're pro-life at all, you're anti-women, which really doesn't make sense to me because I'm very much pro-women, but I don't know exactly how I feel about abortion because I don't know how I feel about that. And there's so many different scenarios. So I think it's very important to recognize the nuance in the debate for sure. I mean, I think the conflation between being pro-life um, or being pro-choice and being pro-women comes from the way that you see a lot of anti-abortion laws enacted. Like the people that they impact in many cases, like are exclusively women, and a lot of the impact can be very, um, very severe to a person's life. And so, when we look at politicians who are passing laws about abortion that restrict abortion and restrict a woman's right to choose, like it is impacting the female community yeah. in a different way than it impacts the male community. But there's a lot of uh, good arguments I've read about how to be very pro-women and pro-life. And it's about providing all of the supports they could need. You know, maybe at a certain term they can induce labor and they can take that into childcare and th things like that as well. But there are many, you know, there are many women who are pro-life and there are many organizations that represent women who are pro-life as well. So just because we haven't, it seems like we can't even have the discussion anymore to find other solutions, right? It's, it's you know, abortion at will pretty much in Canada. And it's, is there, is it worth discussing in certain cases or in general, what other options are there, right? Um, you know, why can't there be more flexible rights for women who are pregnant? Because you said it's more so about the woman's life and how it will impact her life, um, which is very fair. But if it's, if you're, are you talking about just through the pregnancy or after the pregnancy having to have the kid as well, right? Because there are obviously many different options once the kid is born. Um, so it's about that nine month period that they are carrying the, the child. Um, I think I'm still like, maybe it's just me, but I'm still a bit confused. Yeah. So you mentioned like the solution, but I think I'm still struggling to understand like what the problem is. So maybe we can talk a bit about like what the problem is um, in terms of like which aspect of abortion, just, just so that we can like figure out like what our opinions are on each thing. Cause I think we might be talking about different things. Like all of the different scenarios of abortion? Mm -hmm. Or just what the general problem is that we're trying to solve with abortion. Is it whether it should be legal or illegal? Mm. Or is it that like these mothers are not getting help? Or is it like, so well, what's... Mm -hmm. From what I've absorbed, it's the, the tone of the debate seems to be that, you know, females should have control of their own body. If I'm a pregnant female, I should be able to choose what I do with my body and, and uh, whatever is in my stomach, right? Um, so that, that, that is how the problem has been framed from what, I've, from what I read and from what I understand. Is it purely a women's issue as it seems to be framed? Or are there, I definitely think there are other things at play, right? I don't think me saying, you know, maybe 
an abortion at six months or seven months should be illegal, I don't view that as making me anti-women, but some people do. Um, but how else would you frame the abortion conversation? I mean, I think it's also important to think about um, why people are having abortions at different stages. Like, the vast majority of abortions take place within the first few weeks of pregnancy, realistically. Like, when you're talking about the vast majority of abortion, most of them are in that first trimester. Um, and the ones that happen in later stages are a lot more complicated and a lot more, um, I think, they're not really the abortions that we're talking about when we're talking about a woman's right to choose. When people, like state statistics of the number of babies that are aborted per year, um, like it's not those late stage abortions that are really taking the focus of that, right? Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but then, you know, I would make the argument then that having laws about late stage abortions, you know, maybe that's worth discussing. It seems that to bring it up at all is completely, uh, like completely unacceptable. But Canada, since I think 1988, they haven't had any abortion laws at all. Um, there's no regulation, um, which, I mean, maybe some people like that, but I think, again, I, I would wanna look at the statistics of when is a baby likely to survive being born, right? If at six months a baby's born prematurely and it's likely to survive, why not induce the labor, right? Um, or have that as a solution generally. Instead of aborting, you do an induced labor and if the baby is alive, it's alive. If it's not, it's not at, at that point. Um, yeah, and I, but it seems like there's no ability to discuss it at all. Um, and I'm sure I will be called uh, anti-woman for even stating these views right now. And I think the reason that it seems like there's, it, it's hard to discuss that right now is because um, comments like that are usually used to, or like maybe not usually, that might not be fair, but that's one way that you can kind of shut down a discussion in I think an unhealthy way. Um, like if what we want to talk about is the issue of the number of abortions that are happening per year and what that means and what that looks like, then why are we talking about these fringe cases instead of talking about really the bigger part of the issue? Does that make sense? Or I think it's important to note that when you have those, but if we have, so if, if regulation is passed, it should apply to not, uh, yeah, I agree that there's, you know, the average abortion, yeah. but there's also fringe cases that are very, um, you know, the woman is under uh, underdressed to have the baby from uh, from external yeah. force. Right? So there's, and are those regulations then combating her choice mm -hmm. to to have an abortion? So it's hard to, it's it's hard to have a regulation that says blanket statement. Okay, you know, no abortions allowed or something like that, right? Um, so it needs to take into account these extenuating circumstances, which are few and far in between, I, I agree, but they are, are, they are realistic. Yeah, and I guess I'm not saying that extenuating circumstances aren't important, I just think that um, when we talk about, like abortion is a sensitive topic, it's a sensitive topic for a lot of people, people whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, like it's nothing, it's not something that people like to talk about. Yeah. And um, I just think that it, sometimes, like we we try to talk about the bulk, like many, like the main abortion cases, like that's what we want to like ethically focus on, and then sometimes we want to ethically focus on those fringe cases. And I think that they're, I think that like they're two very different conversations. Is more what I'm trying to say. Do you think that there's a problem in like polarizing this whole like debate and pro-choice pro-life? I think it's a very polarized debate. 
Um, it's and actually, I don't know this, the stats for Canada, but in the U.S. it's actually one of the so, like typically social conservative issues that has been steady state. It doesn't, um, in terms of each generation, about the same amount of people are pro-life. Um, whereas a lot of other social conservative issues tend to decrease over time in the support. Um, and I think that's very interesting, especially given how polarized it is. You would expect that, you know, our generation has a lot of views similar to one another. And you, from what I hear, I would think m almost everyone is pro-choice, but that's not what's true. Although there are still a lot of people that are pro-life. Um, and I think it is, you know, there might be other ways to frame the discussion as well, getting back to what uh, you were talking about, um, you know, is it not about how can't we be pro women, pro women, and have many supports for them to encourage them to have the child? And yes, it is, um, you know, it is their life and their choice ultimately. But at some point, there is another life, right? At some point, there is. Um, and what protections does it have? And also, how do we make your life very easy? You know, if like, as a thought process, like, what if every pregnant woman got an all-inclusive for a year and they, that was what the government gave them? Because we don't want women to want to abort. So we give them all of the incentives possible to not choose abortion, right? You know, and I don't know how many women would change their mind in that case. But you can be very supportive of the women and everything they want to do in their career and otherwise, and just try and, uh, you know, have them stick with the pregnancy. That, that is an option as well. I guess my question then is, or I have a lot of questions then, but yeah. um, like one being, um, at what point would that be something that we would choose to push on? Like, it seems like it would be something that you're encouraging this woman to do. At what point is that something you would encourage? Is that something like the second she's pregnant? Oh, should you, you should probably keep this baby or just, oh, now you're in your second trimester. Like, here is everything that um, you might need to keep this child or, and then at that point, is it under the assumption that she raises the child herself or that she puts it up for adoption? Um, and how does that, impact the rest of her life also because being even giving her as much support as she wants like there's no way that you can keep being pregnant for nine months from impacting your life right like it increases risk of um blood clots uh pregnancy increases risk of blood clots and just as like an example it's a lot for your body to go through yeah. you like no matter what you're going to need to take some time off work mm -hmm. um which could impact your career whether it's meant to or not depending on the field you're in. Um. I, I definitely, I don't disagree with any of those points, but I think there's a, it seems to be a complete inability to even talk about it anymore, right? And that's, that's the biggest concern I have is, um, and, and now the government seems to be imposing their values on people, right? So the one thing that, you know, was quite concerning to me, there was two actually by the liberal government. One was on the status of women committee. The conservatives nominated someone who happens to be pro-life and they said, oh, there's no way a pro-life woman should lead the status of women committee because that's, you know, women's right to choose is the most important thing. And I think there are, maybe for some women, it is the most important thing, but I don't think the liberals have the right to say that outright. And this person was an elected official as well. And then the other thing is with the, the summer jobs program, they've said that um, 
companies, in order to get government funding, should have in their core values reflect pro-choice uh, pro sentiment. And I think, you know, how does that, as someone who's pro-life, how would that make you feel if a company had to explicitly say they are pro-choice in their core values? Like, it seems that that's a government putting overreaching and saying, you know, we're expecting people to agree with us in this case. Mm -hmm. Actually, how, how would you feel? If um, yeah, I think that's a problem when you're trying to force people to do something, right? Because everyone has their internal conscience on how they want to react to things, um, whether they want to abort the baby or not. So as you were saying, like, like you could encourage the like lady, um, the woman to like access this entire package, but instead of encouraging them to do one thing or the other, you could just tell them everything that's available to them and let them make their own choice um, because there are a lot of factors. Like if there's a company that I had to like work for and like they were like trying to force on me one view, I would, it becomes a personal choice at that point because like this is my baby, like I believe in the sanctity of life and I'm not gonna abort it because I know like God created me and my baby and it's not me who like created it and I would keep it and that becomes like a religious issue now for me, mm. right? So, And that's what it sometimes comes down to. Like we've seen debates around what is the right of the organization if the organization has a religious value versus if a person has a religious value, how do those um, conflate? But I think like it seems... You know, we had a conservative government for 10 years as well, and there was no movement on this issue at all, because, like, why, you know, I'm not saying we even have to change the laws, but why not develop programs that would try and dis not discourage, but give an alternative to abortion, right? It seems to be, like, fairly free-flowing. It's the, it's the answer, um, but it's like maybe there are other options women would prefer, and I'm not saying all women. Some women, some women may still choose abortion, but why not, why not try and even... Even aside from laws, why not try and find other solutions that are attractive um, to encourage uh, less women to abort? I mean, I guess that depends on whether or not you think aborting in the first trimester, or like an early stage abortion like that, is a problem or not. Yeah. To me, that's not a problem, so I don't see the need to seek for look for a solution for that. Um, if we were talking about later stage abortions, like at the very end, that might be something I'd be more interested in talking about. But um, to me, trying to encourage a woman to like make a choice or make a different choice at that early stage um, as a solution doesn't make sense because I don't see the issue. That's fair. Are you are you anti or not anti? But are you um, more against programs to uh, abort in the later stage because of complications with the with the woman or? Um, or other reasons like it, it's really just like I think for me the debate about like when life starts become a lot okay, becomes a yeah. lot more complicated okay. at that stage um, and so really I think when we talk about women who abort children in the late stages like it's never just a case of oh I decided I don't want to have this baby anymore there's a reason it's been carried that far <laughs> like I think there's yeah. a reason that it's been carried that far so, so you would consider the ba the baby like it is a human at a later stage then? I don't know. Okay. But, and the, that, which is where I come into the moral complications, but I also think that the women who have abortions at later stages, there's usually a lot of complications right, yeah, no, I, yeah. in the pregnancy or something like that, which is a, why that's the result. Like it's not just, oh, I've been carrying this baby for 
seven and a half months. Seven and a half months, yeah. and though I, I haven't really wanted it this entire time, and I've just been putting it off, like that's generally not the case. That's Ge fair. Yeah, generally, yeah. So is it worth like? Is it worth the government looking towards implementing some restriction on abortion? Canada has had none in, you know, 30 years. Um, and is it up to them to decide what is too late and when life starts? Or is it up to each individual? Um, it feels like that conversation, I mean, our generation hasn't had it. And it, again, it is, uh, it, is a it is a topic that is fairly steady state in terms of how many people sit on either side. So is it the government's place to do that? Or is it each person? Should there be any regulation? Or is it good to have none? I mean, I think that's an interesting question. I think that, that I would like to see the data on it, on abortion in what periods, and to see if it's worth having that discussion or not. Because I think it's, I think right now it's kind of, I don't know if anyone else like I, like, I just don't know if, like, late-stage abortions are really, I guess, a problem at this point. Um, but, like, my general feeling is that outside of this, this discussion of life or not, I, I think it's important that women have a right to choose what happens with their body. And I think that, like, late-stage abortions aren't had because someone doesn't want to keep the baby. Let me um, like just I guess like throw in another like question into this yeah. mix like why is abortion a government issue? So is it because like people are paying for other people's abortions, um, or is it because it takes up like hospital resources? Well, so typically gov abortion has only been a government issue to prevent it, right? It's all it's right now it's not a government issue. Right now there's no laws. Women can go and get abortions um, when they when they'd like. Um, there are, you know, problems and different issues within each province in terms of how accessible it is, but it's typically been a government issue from, you know, the, a more conservative point that we should not allow abortions. Um, so, like, even though uh, you're pro-life, do you think the government should put in place laws to prevent women, or you think it's each individual's choice? I think that even if they do put in laws, like, people will still find ways to get it done right. I am more interested in where that person is, like, mentally, emotionally, um, and them getting the help that they actually need, um, instead of just saying, okay, this is a law, like, you can't do this or you can do this. Because, for example, in my own life, like, I've been given rules and, like, sure, I might have to follow those rules, but it doesn't, like, like change who I am as a person or my character. And I'm more focused on, like, who you are and what you believe. Yeah, so let's say then, you know, I'm trying to not put words in your mouth, but what I'm hearing is that, um, you know, let's say if there's a pro-life conservative argument, it would be not to try and make it illegal, but what programs can, what research and what programs can we put in place to try and lower the rate of abortions, mm -hmm. right? Not mm -hmm. saying, no, you can't get abortions, but there are probably programs we could put in place, support systems the same, uh, to try and reduce that number. Exactly. And is that not yeah. worth funding? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that would be worth funding. I, like, I, again, I don't know where I stand exactly, but I tend to be more pro-choice, but I would definitely be in favor of, you know, if there's a woman who feels she has to get an abortion in order to support her lifestyle or in order for other things, it's a very difficult decision for someone to make mm -hmm. either way. 
And I think if we could implement programs that would make that decision easier, it's fairly easy to decide to get an abortion now. Like, not, I don't mean to say it's an easy decision to make, but it's, once that decision is made, in most provinces, it's fairly easy to execute. Is it as easy to make the decision to keep the child um, and execute that? Are there the same amount of supports in place and government funding to keep the child as there is to not keep the child? I mean, I would say saying that it's fairly easy to execute, like compared to a lot of places in the United States, that's true. Mm -hmm. But I would still argue that there are a lot of places in Canada where that's not an easy decision to execute. And it becomes a very, it's a high financial cost and it's a high, um, high stress and logistically challenging situation. Yeah, and I actually wanted to bring up one of those. So Ontario recently uh, legalized an abortion pill, so it's, it's, and it's covered by the government. So it's very easy in Ontario um, if that's the decision you make. But in New Brunswick, there's only one abortion clinic in the province, and it's not even government funded. So it's extremely difficult in that province, and you wouldn't think so from the national conversation. That's something you'd think it would be in the States, that people, you know, have to drive really far to get the access they want. Um, and to me, even if, even, you know, me thinking that blanket pro-choice is incorrect, personally, it, it is legal, and so the service should be available. I think if a woman makes that decision to have the inconvenience, that's just absurd to me. And I think it is legal federally. Um, so for the province to not provide those supports is kind of bizarre to me as well. A free market analysis would be if there's a demand, there will be clinics, but should a woman have to pay and that kind of thing as well. Um, and that's, that's actually, uh, sorry, that's actually, uh, I didn't think of this earlier, that's one of the conservative arguments as well is that should my government, should my tax money, I'm pro-life, should my tax dollars go to fund abortions, right? So, uh, like, if someone has, you know, made the lifestyle uh, decision, like, if in their life they happen to get pregnant and they're choosing to abort it, is that something that I should then pay for as a taxpayer, right? And there are exceptions to that as well. It's, it's a very difficult subject, but that is one of the other arguments as to where do tax dollars go. I mean, I think I've always, the where do my tax dollars go, I, that argument has always bothered me, I think just because there's so many things that we put our tax dollars into, and to complain about one area where your tax dollars go, like our tax dollars go to so many different programs and so many different things that we're not always happy about where they go, but it's money that we're putting back into our government and our system, yeah. and I think we should respect the decisions that our government makes with it. Um, so then it goes the back part. to like, do you trust your government? Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's really what it What does your government believe? But yeah. when we're talking about um, access to abortion, I think that's really interesting because you can look at some cases in the states where abortion is legal, but um, they've passed legislation that makes it very difficult to access yeah. mm -hmm. um, in terms of regulations for clinics or um, there was the, I think, was it... My, I forget who would, who the governor was, but um, passing laws that you have to give the fetus a proper burial, um, which just increases the cost to the clinic and to the woman, the woman getting the abortion. Um, and it's steps like those that um, I think are also, um, we should also be talking about when we talk about the issue of abortion, because those are restrictions without actually passing a law to make abortion illegal. I think, I think those series of laws are 
a quite interesting topic as well. And the one I think of, I, some states, I don't know which ones, require an ultrasound, right? And so, you know, the, th the, the thought process is if you see the baby on the ultrasound, you're less likely to abort it. And you know, that's seen as, as really bad. But if someone is that close to the decision, like, again, it's adding mental distress to them. It's unnecessary if they're choosing abortion. But if they're on the fence, if that can change their mind, maybe there are other paths we could make very easy for them. Like, like, and it's very difficult, and both of you can speak to this far more than I can, but you know, that mental state of if you've made the decision to abort and you have to see the, the fetus or whatever it is on the ultrasound, how does that factor in, right? Uh, I mean, I would turn it around the other way and say if you're so unsure about whether you should have the baby or not that you can flip-flop so easily, should you really be having it also? Like, you can turn that question around the other way. You can definitely turn that question around, but then it, again, it becomes that the most difficult thing is of when is life? Is it, because if, if you're just, that argument, I think, loses weight if you're talking about a life, right? If you think yeah. you're talking about a life to then say, oh, well, should I have, right? Yeah, I That's, think I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. Go ahead. Just, I think if you're talking about a life, uh, the whole, if you think you're talking about a life, this whole argument becomes a very different topic. Yeah. Like if I think I'm talking about a life when I'm talking about early stage abortion, then it doesn't really matter to me what else we talk about around that. I'm talking about a life and I don't think we should end that life. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a really fundamental part when we're have, of the de abortion debate. Yeah. And so how do we as society figure out when it's a life? Right. I, I have an engineering background. I like science and facts. Like, as, as philosophical of a, of a discussion is, as it is, you know, I think the answer isn't nine months. I'm not happy with that as the answer. So I would want to do research as to, um, you know, first looking at what the rates are of abortion at different stages, but also looking at, you know, people who have chosen not to abort if someone is born premature, three months premature, are they likely to survive? Two months premature, one month premature, right? Life begins before nine months, in my opinion, right? And that, but that is the standard our government currently holds. Um, uh, there was actually a very interesting case. The reason the conservative MP got a lot of backlash was based on one vote, and the vote was actually not um, a direct abortion uh, decision. It was actually a, a father was pursuing a lawsuit because a, his wife and her, his pregnant wife was murdered and he wanted the murderer, the murderer to be charged with two counts of murder because the wife was pregnant. But because that child was unborn, it didn't matter. It didn't matter from a legal point of view, but it mattered to that father that his child got murdered. And, you know, I don't know how many months pregnant she was, but by Canadian law, even if she was eight and a half months pregnant, that's not a life yet. And I think you know, that, that doesn't sit well with me. And that didn't sit well with him. I think there is more nuance than we're being granted right now. When we're talking about the law in a specific case like that, like that is heartbreaking that, um, that, the, government, that the law doesn't recognize that, that that additional life was also lost. But, um, I think it's important to keep in mind the implications of were they to recognize that life like are farther reaching than just that one case. Um, and I would say that that is likely 
why yeah. that was acted the way it was. Because if you recognize that life, then how does that impact the rest of, um, how does that impact the abortion uh, laws in our country? I think that would have a huge impact. Yeah, uh, just jumping back to, you know, what other supports can we put in place? I think obviously abortion is a very tough decision to make and people make it for all sorts of reasons. But let's, let's throw out a theoretical example. Um, you know, someone is 18, 19, they get pregnant and they, they don't know how that will impact their university career and the rest of their life, really. Right now, it's, you know, I don't want to say easy, but it's relatively easy to get an abortion in Ontario. And it's a much more difficult path ahead to try and have that pregnancy, raise that kid while in university. And if, if a 19-year-old really is attached to their, their pregnancy from a, you know, from conception or from as soon as they find out, um, isn't it worth investigating how we can best provide supports to them, help them raise their kid, help them still lead their full life while raising that kid they want to have? Because I don't think everyone who has an abortion is choosing, I don't want a kid in and of itself. It's quite often weighed against what else is going on in their life. Shouldn't we make having that kid and continuing your, the rest of your life unchanged be as easy? I mean, yeah, I would agree that, I think that in general support for mothers and support for women is important. And that's a, as a sing, like if you were a single mother trying to raise a child, I think that um, we should be able to provide them with as much support as they need. I just don't think that we should try and discourage someone from having an abortion yeah. in lieu of doing that. Like, I don't think it should be oh, please don't have this abortion, instead do this, just here, make sure these options are available to everyone. So it goes back to not forcing your own beliefs on someone else. Yeah, and that's, and just, uh, mm -hmm. that's like the essence of being pro-choice to me, is making sure that everyone can make the decision that they want to make about their own body, um, and they shouldn't be held back by our government. I'm just curious about, so if we say, if, we say, if the mother chooses to um, keep the baby, and, and even though you know, they're given the choice of abortion. Um, I'm just curious from, uh, since you supported pro-life, if, uh, when, do you think there's a distinguishing, how should, how should we distinguish between that 18 or 19 year old who's about to, you know, pursue post-secondary uh, education or, or something um, versus the 32 year old who has to, uh, who has a, you know, job or career and is already ready to start a family? How do we distinguish between those two mothers, type of mothers? Or do, do we like set an age limit? Or I'm just, just curious about your, so are you asking about my own specific opinion as to like the yeah, difference like, between when, those Yeah, because like, I just see there's a discrepancy between um, if we have the support, like David was saying, of two mothers who are, are younger and say 18, 19 and need support. Should we for, provide more support? Yeah, so one? definitely or support should be needed. But how do we distinguish mm -hmm. between the mothers who are only 18 or 19 year olds and versus the mothers who are you know, more established? How do you distinguish between those two? Well, I guess as someone who's like pro-life, I would give equal importance to both of them because it's life in both situations. So, but in one mm -hmm. case, the mother needs more support. I would say more support. Uh, well, more so I think. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Uh, go, go ahead. I go think ahead. that's well. Like to say it, it's based on age is 
fairly arbitrary. I think with any government assistance, it's about the means they have. If you have a 19-year-old who whose family are millionaires and they choose they like and they choose to keep their child, they have a lot more of a support system in place than a 32-year-old struggling like single mother in poverty, right? So I think with any government system, it's about what are their means and how can we best support them. From, you know, from an overall standpoint, I think you should give full support to both, right? But definitely, you know, in terms of a scaled, like what is scalable type thing, you would typically provide more support to those who need it. Um, and, and, you know, how we determine what that need is, is, you know, as difficult with any situation. But I think what it really comes down to is definitely, I, you know, I don't, this whole pro-choice versus pro-life uh, uh, dichotomy, I think, doesn't really make sense for the new, new discussion, really. I think... A lot of people agree, okay, the, women, the woman has the option to choose and we shouldn't put government oversight into you cannot abort, right? But why are we not developing more programs to make not aborting a good option? There's a lot of people fighting to make abortion as easy and as accessible as possible, but why can't we also make all of the other supports? And it's a lot more difficult because, you know, you're talking about you know, maybe 18 years of support, 19 years. Um, but is it not worth, you know, at some point that's a life. And it, some people believe it's always a life. Is it not worth developing those programs? And those programs would also benefit mothers and women generally. Well, one thing I think is something we haven't actually touched on at all yet in this discussion is that, um, you know, we have, we have ways that we can minimize the number of abortions that take place ways that we've already enacted. Like the most effective way to minimize abortions and to lower the abortion rate is making birth control accessible to everyone. Making sure that people are well educated on what birth control they have access to, making sure that people can access it. Um, and just in general, making sure that that is um, available to all Canadians. That's the most effective way to lower the rate of abortion because you lower the rate of unintended pregnancy and you make it so that people can plan when they want to have a family and when they want to have a baby. And no birth control method is 100% effective, yes, but when used correctly, they are pretty effective. Mm -hmm. That's fair. And this just goes back to you know, having sexually educated youth um, yeah. in general and yeah. not, just, not just birth control or whatnot, just having them generally educated about... Um, about sex and sexual health. Exactly, yeah. And there's actually like a, you know, a live study in the States because there's a many places that still you know, their main teaching method is abstinence only, and teenage pregnancy is way higher there. Uh, I don't know the stats on how that affects abortion in those states, but, um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if those are quite increased as well. Um, Actually, an interesting thing about abortion rates in the states, because there are a lot of states that don't have, um, that have strict laws about abortion, um, it's kind of difficult to look at because you'll look at those states and they will have lower rates of abortion and they'll say, oh great, abortion law is working. But if you look at the next closest states that allow abortion, those ones tend to go up when laws become stricter. So, Are you saying that they're like rebelling? No, I'm saying they, that they people travel. travel. Yeah. To the people who done. want to have okay. an abortion in that okay. state go to the other ones. So they need to look at it as a whole rather than individual state. Because you can travel freely between states and you can have a medical procedure in another state. And as long as you can access that, you can do that. Yeah, and I think that we went back, so yeah. back to a point that you made um, about you know, going through tests uh, before you abort or 
um, you know, do, whether they go through psychological analysis and, and like, you know, physical, and, and just see how, what kind of mothers are these, are these people, or what kind of people are these mothers? What kind of um, people are the mothers uh, when they're aborting, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I really hesitate to put in any restriction at this point. I would yeah. be, yeah. I would yeah. not be in favor of that at all. Um, but I think, I think it's an interesting question that we will have to ask, um, that we already have to ask a little bit. And, you know, I think that I'm interested to see where the discussion goes because when you have the abortion, the abortion discussion, I think a big thing that we have to remember is as someone who's on the pro-choice side of things, um, it's not always a simple argument of, well, this is how it impacts women because if the person on the other side is believing I'm talking about a life, then that is a challenging thing to come to terms with. Um, there is always also the discussion of like bodily autonomy. Like no one can make you donate your liver to save another person, even though if you donate part of your liver, that might save someone's life. But you are giving up a large portion of your bodily autonomy for almost a year yeah. in order to give birth to a baby. And on the other side as well is, if they really don't want to have and raise this child and we're, you know, who is raising them? Or like if we have way more children that there's, I don't know the stats of how many parents can't have kids and that kind of thing, but if we're really significantly increasing the amount of kids in foster care, in orphanages, that's a, that's a problem as well. So there, there are two sides to every, every piece for sure. But I, I, I think that's a good area, uh, I think that's a good spot to wrap this conversation up at. I think it's obviously, there's obviously a lot more nuance to this whole thing than, there, than I've been getting from the, the media around it right now. And I wanna thank all of the panel for coming. And I wanna thank everyone for tuning in. Obviously it's not an easy topic, but I think it's an important one to talk about. So th I'd like to hear what you think. And thank you for tuning into The Safe Space. We hope to see you next time.